Yes, so good to be with you. I am so thankful for each and every one that's here today. Thankful for uh, this this church, for your pastor. Uh, thankful for his family. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Just so awesome to see uh, Braden and Jayla and what God is doing in their lives. Um, I we get to we get to hear tidbits, you know, uh, behind the scenes and a little bit. You know, through phone calls and text, and watching on you know social media, uh, and it's kind of like they're they're kind of like an extension of our kids. They all grew up together, and uh, just seeing what God's doing, it's I don't know, it's uh, it's it's like kind of watching my own kids do ministry, and uh, just so proud of them and excited for what God has in store. This is a blessed church, Amen. Um, you are. I, I don't know. I don't think you realize how blessed you are. And I'm not saying that to, to be condemning of you, uh, but you you have really good leadership. Everything here is done with excellence, amen. And you know everything just 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 hums along. You're like, oh no, it doesn't. We know the back. No, it, it, compared to some places, amen. This it really hums along, and and God is in it, amen. Um, what a what a blessing. You you guys are just incredible people, and they're, they're the leadership, uh, Sister Yadernachek, amen, and uh, brother, brother, Sister Tamil, I, I, these guys are heroes in my book. In fact, I told the first service, I was a little bit nervous, because I knew who I was going to be preaching to in the second service, and uh, I've, I've always held these guys in very high regard. We've stayed at their home, we stayed at the Tamil's home when my kids were little, and I was nervous as all get out. Because I was thinking my kids are going to break something. It's going to be bad. And uh, I just, we just love them. They've, they've been so good to us. And we were just, we're nobody. Like, we're, we're not anything special. But they've been so good to us and treated us like family. And we've always felt like we're part of the family. And uh, just so thankful to be able to be with all of you and be with them today. Uh, I, I'm just excited about what God's doing. One of the first times I spoke here, I said, this building isn't big enough for what God wants to do. And I'm not a prophet, but I guarantee you, when you go to the building today, you're going to see God has bigger things in store for this church. Amen. 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 If you want to turn with me, if you have your Bible or a device, you want to look at Isaiah 55. I won't keep you standing much longer. I know you're ready for a little break. So Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto, whereto I sent it. Amen. I, I want you to know that God is pretty, uh, he's pretty serious about his word. And uh, we can read, we can study, we can consume the word. But only when we obey it and only when we apply it in our lives will we become more like Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about for the next few moments today, my relationship with the Word. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Word. I pray, God, that you'd help my lips of clay to speak it, and God, let it get beyond the filter of my vocabulary and my thoughts, God, and let your Word penetrate into our hearts, and let us receive it and respond today in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Bible is given to us for direction, right? And uh, if you want to know where you came from, you want to know what, you know, 
where you were, why you were created, what the meaning of life is, what is your purpose. This is a great book. It will really help you. Uh, if you want to know how to get prepared for eternity, you can look to the guidebook that we have been given, the Bible. But to say it's just a guidebook is kind of almost demeaning to the Word of God because it's a life-giving book. Only in God's Word do you find how to have victory over sin and over Satan. In creation, we've got the divine creator, and we know that God created the heaven and the earth. But in nature, we have a general revelation of who God is and what God is able to do. But the Bible is God's revelation to guide us into all truth. It's to help us. It's for us to be able to learn and to grow. In Matthew chapter 8, we have a story about a centurion that comes to Jesus. And in Matthew 8, 5 through 10, he comes to Jesus and he says, uh, you know, I've got this servant that's lying at home sick and he's, he's grievously tormented. It's, it's a bad disease he's got. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's horrible on him. And, and Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to come, but, but speak the word only. And he says, my servant will be healed if you speak the word. And, and he said, because I'm a man under authority. We live close to Fort Knox. We've got a lot of soldiers. We have military families in our church. They, if you say, uh, you know, drop and give me 50 in the army, they don't say, maybe. I, I just don't feel like it. No, that authority is recognized, and they drop and they do their 50 because they know how it works. When the word is spoken, then it's, you know, the scripture says that we want his, his uh, the, you know, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think whenever God uh, speaks a word in heaven that the angels be like, well, okay, whenever we get to it? No. When he speaks a word, they obey. Right? And we want his will to be done. We want his will to be carried out on earth as it is in heaven. So what we do is we read his will to us. Right? His will is, is right here. It's made clear. And if we'll obey, then his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But under authority, he has soldiers that are under him. And he says, to one man, go and he goes. And to another, come and he comes. And, and he says, I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. He understands the authority that at that point, Israel had not really understood about Jesus. And Jesus, when he heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no. No, not in Israel. I want, I want to just highlight the faith that he knew when there was obedience to the word that that had authority over that situation that he was dealing with. I wonder if we believe that the word has authority over our situations, over our sicknesses, over our diseases, over our uh, broken relationships, over uh, the, the things that we're worried about in life. There was a special speaker that went to a conference, and he told of watching a building that was being built, and he said, I would, I would look out and see this building being constructed, and the first thing they did was put down this large cement pad, and then several days later, they, they brought in this huge, heavy silver box, and they sent it, uh, set it right down on the pad, and said the next few weeks, they begin to frame and then add drywall, and Curiosity overcame him, and he wondered uh, why the silver box and why have it there before everything else. And so he, was, he, he said, I want to go find out what's going on. And so he goes over and inquires, and he finds out it's going to be a bank. 
And so it makes sense now. You know, the huge, heavy silver box was the vault. It was the most important thing. And because of its size, because of its weight and its importance, they had to build everything around the vault. And so later, if they tried to get the vault through the door, it wouldn't have fit. They had to start by putting the vault, the thing that was going to hold the valuables, the thing that was the most important, the reason they could even call it a bank, right? That's why it was there. And so you built everything around it. And, and what a vault is to a bank, Jesus is to Christianity. And, and what a vault is to a bank, this Bible is to us, the church. We have to have a relationship with the Word of God. Amen? We, we have to be able to, uh, to allow God's Word to, to move in our lives and to uh, uh, be applied to our life because the, the size and the weight and the importance of it. Christ is the living Word. His Spirit works in us. The Bible is the written Word. Together, they're the foundation. We just sing about, amen, a firm foundation. I, I, I think they just they knew what my favorite songs were, and they decided they'd sing at least two of them today. It was awesome. It was great. I came in. I've, I've been going. We, we had a, a rough year last year, and every time we come into church, they, they would be like, pastors are probably going to try to sing a song again. And I'd get up, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Why? Because when you're living and you're applying the Word of God to your life, you can have joy in any situation. Amen. And as the Firm Foundation song says, you can have joy in chaos. Amen. I'm so thankful uh, for what God does when we will apply His Word to our life. You know, I, I think uh, as we look into the Word of God and we see that we have, you know, the Scripture that says, Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If I will apply his word, if I will put his word, know his word, meditate on his word, then I will know what's right and what's wrong. I'll know the next move that I need to make. Joshua chapter 1 and uh, verses 7 and 8. I love this passage of scripture because even though it's from the Old Testament, it, it gives us a, a little bit of insight about the word of God. It says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according According to all that is written, everybody say to do, to do all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Do you want to be prosperous? Do you want to have success? Do you want to see your life flourish and be awesome? Amen. You want to have your best life now? Okay, well, I've got the answer. Get into a relationship with the Word of God. Know it, meditate on it, and then apply it in your life. Amen? You need to soak it up. W.H. Griffith Thomas, he wrote an uh, excellent devotional, and uh, he's written, this is his quote, he says, All Christian experience testifies to blessing, power, and prosperity in spiritual life and service in exact proportion to meditation on the Word of God. You'll only be as successful, you'll only be as prosperous as much as you meditate and apply the Word of God in your life. There are people that think that they're being successful and they think they're being prosperous, but they are breaking the laws of God. And so what ends up happening is their life crumbles. And then ultimately they go back and they say, what went wrong? What went wrong is I wasn't paying attention to this life-giving book. 
I, I wasn't focusing on how I could apply his word in my life. Meditation on the word of God, it's the answer to spiritual dryness in your life. You feel like coming to church has just become routine. You feel like going to a small group or life group has just become uh, mundane in your life. Get into the word of God. Uh, I'll never forget uh, whenever I was, I was a younger man at that time. Um, it was back in, oh, I don't know, about 2000-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, but my wife and I, uh, 2000, 2001, we were, we were traveling. We came to Wisconsin and and uh, Brother Tamil was meeting with a group of guys at the, I don't know, it was Perkins or something like that at the restaurant. And they were having a Bible study. And these guys would get together in the morning at some ungodly hour. I think it was like 5.30 or 6 a.m. I don't know, Brother Tamil probably remembers it. It was so early. And I remember thinking, how do you get anything out of the Word of God at 5 in the morning? But it was, it was the fact that they were getting into the Word and they were applying it to their life. And, and there are, you know, maybe 5 a.m. is not the best time for you, but, but find a time every day that you are getting into the Word of God and you are studying it and then you're figuring out how does it apply to my life. Some people say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, good, good. I'm glad you said that because now I can give you an application. I'm tired. I'm weary of preachers who tell you what to do but don't tell you how you can do it. So I'm going to give you a real quick application, and I like acronyms, uh, so we're going to soap it up today, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, let's soap it up. Soap is an acronym. S stands for scripture. So what you do with scripture is you pull it out and you say, what do I need to do here? Well, I've got to understand what I'm writing. So I'm writing something out in a notebook, in a three-by-five card, whatever scripture. Uh, I, was, I was talking to Dave right before the service today, the second service, in between the first and second. And, and, and we said, we came up with the conclusion that sometimes whenever you uh, come across a scripture that really bothers you, that's probably one for you. It's one that's beep, beep, beep. It's like, okay, you found it, you know. My wife, we, we like to uh, you know, put stuff up on the walls, and you get that stud finder, and it's like beep, 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 beep. And you know when you are over that stud, right? It's kind of like that in the Bible. It's like you find one that really irritates you. That's probably for you. And, you, you know, you're like, you're like, no, I think that's for, you know, that person over there. And God's like, no, no, nope, that one's for you. So take that one, okay? Uh, that's how you know that's the one that you need to work on. So take that one, write it out, and that's the first step, Scripture. The second uh, is observation. So what you want to do with observation is you want to look at that Scripture, and you want to read it out loud and think about it and read it slow and maybe read it backwards or whatever you need to do, and then just say, okay, what does this say? And what, 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 is, what does that mean, right? You might need to look it up in a, in a dictionary. Um, somebody said, I don't understand the King James. And uh, I had a teenager one time, they said, I don't understand the King James Version. I said, you know, sometimes I don't either. But sometimes I don't understand the language that my teenagers speak. <laughs> they, have, they really have an online dictionary for that. And I don't go to it, I'm just saying. If you want to know the slang, and you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out. They, there's, they say different things. We say, we used to say stuff, and now they say stuff that's really different from what we used to say. And what I say does not mean the same thing as what my kid said. And so they look at me funny sometimes. I'm like, you know what I mean, right? And they're like, Dad, it doesn't mean that. And I'm like, well, to you, it doesn't mean that. To me, it means that. You know. 
So when you're reading the King James, sometimes you really have to apply yourself to understand it. Uh, if you, you know, there, there are other translations, and I'm not saying you have to be King James only. Uh, some people are, and I don't mean to be offensive. So if, if you're King James only, I do believe that probably stays closest to the original manuscripts. But let's just be, let's be real. You're not going to read or spend a lot of time on something that you really don't understand. So get into something that you can understand. Get, get a couple other translations out with your King James and, and read along. Uh, you know, as I study sometimes for, uh, for, for messages or for teaching, I'll read the, the scripture and I'll get four, five, six different parallels and, and just go through it and, and get a better understanding of the verse. But that's the second step is what is this saying and what does it mean? Observation. The third step is application. A is for application. And, and with application, then I'd say, okay, now how does this apply to me? Not how does it apply to my sister, not how does it apply to my uncle, not how does it apply to my irritating neighbor. How does it apply to me? And some of us, uh, we are, we're quick to correct everybody. We see uh, everybody's issues, but we miss some of the things that we need. And sometimes God has to remind us through somebody else, oh, yeah, that applies to me. But take it on yourself. To, to look into the Word of God and to say, okay, maybe this applies to me. So application, apply it to yourself. How can I put this in my daily life in action? And then the last is prayer. P is for prayer. So pray about it. If you're not sure, you say, well, I'm kind of confused. I don't know what this verse means. Sometimes I'll have people call me and they'll say, Pastor, I don't know. I, I know what this verse means, but I don't know how it applies to me. And because, uh, you know, God's allowed me to be their pastor, their shepherd. Sometimes I have a little bit more oversight in their life. And I'll say, you know, remember that situation a couple weeks ago? I think what God may be trying to say to you through this is it has to do with that. Oh, I didn't think about that. So if, if you don't know, maybe talk to somebody, uh, try to figure out how it applies, but pray about it most importantly. And ask God, before you, before you call Pastor Rob and say, Pastor Rob, I don't know what this verse means. Can you break it down for me? Ask God, God, please help me understand how this applies to me. Show me what I need to do. And I promise, if you are hungry and thirsty, you will be filled. If you knock, the door will be opened. Amen. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. Those are the promises promises that we have. But you can, if you're not careful, you can take verses out of context. Anybody ever heard somebody take a verse out of context? One great thing about knowing the word is that when you hear somebody take something out of context, you're like, that's not right. I, that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. Let's, let's get into it, see what the Bible actually says. But if you don't know the word, it's hard to take the, you know, hard to know if somebody's taking it out of context. The devil took it out of context when he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. He was trying to use scripture, but he didn't know the proper context. There's a story that I like to tell about an old farmer who was walking along the road with a, he had his horse and his dog with him, and his pickup truck comes racing by and knocks him off the road into the ditch, and the farmer sues for damages, including the loss of work time, and he has a broken leg, and he has facial injuries, and several cracked ribs that were keeping him bedridden, and the defense attorney tells the judge, he says, your honor, Shortly after the accident occurred, my client heard the farmer say he had never felt better in his life. And the farmer explained, Your Honor, after he ran me and my dog and my horse off the road, we were lying in the ditch. The driver of the truck got out of his truck, and seeing that my horse had a broken leg, he took out his shotgun and he shot my horse. And then, noticing my dog was bleeding and suffering terribly, he shot my dog. 
And then he stood over the top of my mangled body holding his gun, and he asked, how are you feeling? And I said, never felt better in my life. It's showing us the point that context is so important because if you take text out of context, you're left with a con. Be careful of people who want to con you with the Word of God. Be careful of people who just want to take the Word of God and twist it to what they want it to say. You've got to have a relationship with the Word of God. There are some things that when somebody says, if they would come to me and they would say, your wife said this, right? I would say, "Mm, that doesn't sound like her. You know why? Because I have a relationship with her. If I have a relationship with the Word of God, if somebody tries to twist it and they try to say something it doesn't say, I automatically recognize it because of my relationship. So we've got this promise in the Word of God. Christianity is given this great book. We're, we're not given this, this promise that everything's just going to be simple and it's going to be easy. And that's what a lot of people want to present to you. It's like, oh, it's real easy. Just, you know, uh, no, it's not easy. This is, you know, Paul referred to it as a fight. You know, it's some days it's a fight, it's a struggle, it's not always easy. And I will tell you that having a relationship with the Word of God, there are going to be some things that really unsettle you in the Word of God. It's good. It's good that it unsettles you because that's what helps you make changes. It's kind of like, um, kind of like looking at a picture of yourself and like, oh my goodness, I really need to lose some weight. I know none of you have ever done that. But, you, you, you know, it just kind of creeps up on you. You're like, you know, just extra meal here, a little bit there, a little bit of sweets, not exercising like you should. And then somebody takes a picture and you're just like, oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. How did that happen? It's unsettling. It's probably good. You go see the doctor and the doctor says, hey, I got some things to tell you about this report. This report says that uh, things aren't really like they should be. Your blood pressure's high, your cholesterol, all the, and it starts telling you, and you're like, huh, that's really unsettling. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to let it sink in. We're going to get there in just a moment. And so we've got these things that unsettle us. I had a, a guy, a friend of mine, not too long ago, that he went into the hospital. Uh, he's diabetic. He went into the hospital, and the, hospital, the doctor basically told him, he said, you have to lose weight. He said, you have to. If you don't lose weight, he said, it's, it's probably going to kill you. He wasn't morbidly obese or anything like that. He just was overweight, and he's diabetic, and he, he needed to, to lose some weight. And he realized, if I don't start losing some weight really soon, and if I don't get serious about this, I, I'm not going to be around much longer. And so he's lost, he's dropped like 40, 50 pounds in the last year. He's, he's serious about it. It's, it's unsettled him to the point. He had a near-death experience that unsettled him to the point that he wanted to do something about it. And some of us, spiritually, we wait until we have an almost near-death experience spiritually. You know, we're, we're about to lose that relationship. We're about to, you know, see that, that fall apart. And, and then it's like, oh, God, what, what do we do, you know? And, well... Be unsettled by the Word of God. Let the Word of God correct in us or help us correct the things that are not right. God 
his, has given us his word, and he will change our life with it. He can radically reshape our worldview and, 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 and bring us into a relationship that makes us more like him. That's what the word of God is supposed to do. But to apply the Bible, you really have to know the Bible. And, 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 you know, there's two ways, I would say very quickly, two ways that we need to do this. First of all, we need to learn God's ways, and then we need to live God's ways. Learn God's ways and then live God's ways. There's a lot of people that are telling us that God's ways are outdated. They're not for us. They don't apply to us anymore. We might as well just, you know, go ahead and do what we think is best. Your, live in your truth. That's what I've heard. But no, that's not what the Word of God tells us. It tells us that my heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. It tells me that I can't even know what's right and wrong without God guiding me. He put inside of me this conscience, and then with His Spirit inside of me, He's renewed my conscience. He's, he's helped me, and now with His Word, His Word and His Spirit are leading and guiding me into the best life that I could possibly have. And so I've got, to, I've got to ask myself and I've got to ask the Word of God, what is it that I need to change? What is it that needs to be different? What is it that I can do to be more like Jesus? In James chapter 1, and I'm, I'm almost done, uh, I say that loosely. You know what it means when a preacher says it. Absolutely nothing. You know what it means when a preacher takes off his watch and starts, not really anything. I I really am almost done. But in James chapter 1, we read about, uh, starting at verse 14, that every, every person in the NIV, every person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, he says, my brothers, my dear brothers and sisters. Why does he say don't be deceived? Does anybody, does anybody like being deceived? No? Me neither. We're working on this project, and I was greatly deceived. This, this huge project, over $100,000 of deception. It's one thing if you're deceiving me for my money. It's another thing if you're deceiving me about God's money. It makes me even more mad. You talk about righteously indignant and all that stuff. I was like, God, you better get them. (laughs) It, It makes you just fuming mad that you've been deceived. But the scripture says here, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. I don't like that part of it. Slow to become angry. I don't know. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. That's what it says. So get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The word can save you. Don't merely listen to the word. Everybody say, don't just listen. Now, here we go. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
wait a second, did that say deceive yourselves? That, that means nobody's deceiving me, I'm doing it to myself? How does this happen? How, does it ha how could it be that I could be reading the word, studying God's word, his life-giving word, and deceive myself? Well, let's read. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. He looks at his face in a mirror and he sees, sees something. Anybody ever look in the mirror and, and you see something that needs corrected? You got something, you got, you got something right here. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you, need, you know, you got, you got something right there. You know, you got a little eye booger hanging off, you know, something's, you got to take care of that, Okay. These teenagers, sometimes I'm like, you, you, you do realize there's, um, you know, yeah, go ahead and just take a wet rag, wipe that off, you know. And then sometimes you got these little kids, they come in from playing, and they don't even care what they look like. They got mud all their face. They're just walking around, loving on everybody, and they got dirt all over them. Imagine those of us with, you know, that aren't perfect and we have sin in our lives and we walk into church on Sunday and we look at ourselves and we see, we look like that little kid just came in from the playground. Mud, sweat all over us. We look and we say, ooh, I really probably should do something about that. We hear the word and the word convicts us and it's letting us know we need to change some things. We need to, we need to soap it up a little bit. We need to make things right, but whenever we leave the house of God, whenever we leave the presence of God and we, we stop meditating on the Word of God, then we walk away and we forget. We forget we need to change anything. We feel okay because we went to church today. We feel okay because it's time for small group, you know, go to small group, feel the presence of God, get into the Word. Man, that feels good. And I'm looking in things, oh, I've got to change that, got to work on it. Yep, yep, yep. And then we leave and immediately, because we didn't apply it, we didn't figure out where we're going to put it, how's it going to change us, we left and it didn't do anything. And the Bible says we're just deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. I don't, I don't like being deceived. Did I say that? Did I tell you how angry it makes me to be deceived and then to find out I can do this to myself? I always uh, had this little funny phrase back from when, you know, I was growing up. One brilliant artist said you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. I don't want to wreck myself. I don't want to get into the Word of God and see what I need to do and see what I need to change, find out that I could have healing, I could have salvation, I could have deliverance, and, and I could have a better life and better relationships with everybody around me and then think I'm okay and walk away and never do anything about it. Never do anything about it. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble getting along with this person. I'm having trouble doing this. Well, get into that life-giving relationship. Find out if there's something. What are some things? You make a list. You make a list. I'm not going to do it. I've got plenty of them, but you make a list. What are some things that Christians hear, but they don't do? They hear them, but they don't do them. Oh, I'll give you a big one. Gossip. Yeah, I know. They don't, they don't technically call it gossip. They call it prayer requests. Oh, please help me pray for Sister Sally. Did you hear what happened to her? Did you hear what's going on in her? 
Just saying. If we really heard the word and, and we did what the word said, you know, the word talks about giving double honor to that spiritual leader in our life. You guys are so blessed. You have the greatest pastor and pastor's family. You know, I'm going to go to Israel next year. Please send them with me. They've never been to Israel. They need to go to Israel. Don't you think so, Brother Tim? See, Dad agrees. It's going to be amazing. We get to walk where Jesus walked. Right, Kathy? Even when you don't feel like walking anymore, you're still going to keep walking where Jesus walked. So much fun. But we've got this amazing pastor and his family, and the scripture talks about we need to give them double honor. There are so many people serving, so many people doing so many things, but yet, if it's like our church, which I'm pretty sure it's similar, there's a lot of people who aren't serving. There's a lot of people who aren't helping. You ought to do whatever you can do to take something off your pastor's plate. You ought to say, what needs done? What can I help with? Where can I serve? And then do it and be reliable, be trustworthy, be stable. They shouldn't have to come chase you down and say, did it get done? Is it, is it happening? Are we, where are we at with this? No, be dependable. Those are all things that, you know, the scripture says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, not Pastor Rob. Knowing that you will receive of your labor. You'll receive a reward for that, not from Pastor Rob. Wow. Yeah, see, I told you. I'm, now I'm, I'm into it. You make your own list. I'm going to quit preaching at you so that you can preach to yourself. There are things that God deals with me, and I don't like certain scriptures very much. But the scripture says if I go and I look at the mirror and I see myself and I'm looking into the Word of God and I see things I need to change and then I go away and then I just forget what I look like if I'm just a hearer of the Word. But whosoever or whoever in verse 25 looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I'm not preaching anything that you don't know. I'm not preaching anything you haven't heard, but I'm wondering if maybe I'm preaching something you haven't applied in a while. Today is a good day. If you need healing in your life physically, if you need a broken relationship to be put back together, if maybe there's been some things that have just been off, you, you just you feel it right now. You don't even need the preacher to tell you. you they're just off. I'm off. My attitude's not an attitude of gratitude. I'm irritated with so-and-so. I'm irritated with God. I've got some deals that I'm working, and I just can't, you know. I'll come to church. I'll nod my head. I'll shake a few hands, but I'm not, I'm not changing. This is who I am. Take it or leave it, God. And the Word of God is like, hey, there's life. There's, there's life in that more abundantly. There's hope. There's peace. There's joy. There, there, everything that you need, amen, you can find with God and with his word. And, and so today, I, I wonder if you just stand with me as, as we close. And I want us just to do some self-examination. And if there's something that God's dealing with you about, I, I don't want God to deal with you about somebody else right now. I want God to deal with us about us. When I walk off of this platform, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk down. I'm going to say, God, deal with me about what needs to change in me. I, I'm not perfect. I haven't figured it all out. I haven't worked it all out yet. But I, I do believe that God is sanctifying me through his word. 
he, he's changing me. The, the things that are not like him, he deals with me. And, and sometimes I ask myself the question, wait a second, AJ, that, that's not like Jesus. That's not like him. So what needs to change in me for me to be more like him? I'll find it in his word. He'll lead me in his word. He'll guide me in his word. And, and I can be renewed. I can be washed. I can be cleansed by the word. By the word. I have to have that relationship. Without that relationship, the rest of my relationships won't be as good as they could be. Want a better relationship with your kids? Hey, the answer is in there. Want a better relationship with your spouse? It's in there. Better relationship with the authorities in your life? It's in there. It's all there. You want to you wanna miss hell and make heaven? There you go. What a, what, what a blessing. Amen. This relationship, this life-giving relationship, it just keeps on giving. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much today. I don't know how you normally finish, but I wonder if we could just finish with some self-reflection. Just ask God, God, what do I need to change? What needs to change in me? If there's a scripture, if there's a passage, if there's something that I, I want you to speak to me, God, today, let me deal with it in my life.